This is Tales of Swordfall. Episode 31, Exciting Deal. Um, Ash, um, you know, this guy wrapped up all in robes with these glowing eyes, he's, you know, he's, like, showing them eggs. Oh boy, that's fun. Yeah, uh, Ash finds it interesting that his, in his kind of state of mind at the moment, he kind of gets bored. Uh, and wanders back to the uh, table he'd found before with the uh, uh, arcane focus. Cool. He wanted. Cool. Oh, go ahead. Oh no, I was just saying, cool. Yeah, he wants to go talk to the merchant and ask how much they are. Um, he. This is kind of a tall man. He has slender fingers. Uh, he has a whole bunch of things just dangling around. Um. What specifically would you be looking for in an arcing focus? Like, are you going for looks? Or are you trying to find something that has good vibes? Uh, something that has good vibes for him, it would be practicality overall, and uh, a bonus if it's something that he could attach to, like, the pommel of his sword or something like that. Okay, so something that just kind of, like, attaches to your sword. That would be, like, his top of his list, but otherwise just something... He's sick of using components and would mm -hmm. find it easier in combat to just have something that he could just have. So he looks at you, looks at you up and down. Um, he he kind of smiles. Ah, friend, you have returned. So... yeah. What can I do for you? Hi, I'm uh looking for a uh ar arcane focus. Well, you wouldn't be here if you weren't looking for one. Yeah, uh, so I'm I'm looking for something that's that's uh practical. Uh, it'd be nice if I could uh, attach it to my uh sword. He kind of like wiggles his sword in the scabbard, like because he's just drunk. <laughs> Ah, uh, a wizard and a warrior. Well, that is very fascinating. Yes, I have. I have some focuses that can fit or be fitted to your sword. Ooh, can I see? And um, he takes out what seems to be like a uh, rolled up piece of cloth. And he undoes it, and it looks like these are, like, replacement pummels. Oh, that's perfect. Uh, how much are they? Well, um, one without any thrills. About 200. One with some extra things, about 1,000. Uh, Ash just kind of frowns a little bit and is like, oh, well, that's uh, good to know. 
if I find any gold lying around, I will be back. Thank you. And then he walks away. <laughs> and as you're walking away, you notice that everybody around you is bartering. Hint. Uh, Ash will turn around on his heel and walk back when you say... <laughs> Uh, do I need to make a check for bartering? Um, yeah, usually it's a persuasion check, um, but I will base it off of what you're doing. So, like, what do you mention to the guy about, uh, um, like, pricing? You're like, oh, well, maybe if I find some extra gold, and then you're about to walk off, but walk back. Anything else? Uh, he'll say, well, uh, I have about a little over 20 gold and a Warhammer to trade, if you want a Warhammer. <laughs> hmm. Let's, let me see that Warhammer. Uh, Ash will pull it out of his pack and just lay it on the table. It's just pretty standard. It's nice, uh, not, like, all dinged up or anything. It's just not anything fancy. Uh, he starts checking it out. Uh, he looks at the alignment of the thing, feels the weight. Uh, you know, he kind of does that thing where he like puckers his lips and looks out in the distance and kind of shakes his head. And um, then I look, run out of words as I'm actually trying to look up an actual price of a warhammer. I don't think they're worth very much. Uh, actually, they're, they're fifteen. Uh, he looks and he's like, yeah. This has this has the potential to be uh enchanted, yes. Um tell you what, I will take off at least fifty gold. Fifty? Mm-hmm. So if you can't do the math, that's one hundred and fifty. Yeah, yeah, so I'm still hundred and twenty five short for the cheapest one. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth a it was worth a shot. Uh Ash just kinda shrugs and well, it was worth a shot. If I find some cash, I'll be back. Thank you. Oh, no problem. Just remember, I got the things you're looking for. Oh, uh, what was your name, sir? Salesman? Bagloff. Thank you, Bagloff. Um, uh, Ash will kind of give a little bow and, and go back to the party. Okay. In the meanwhile, Nork is going to meditate with eggs. Uh, what is Nilkis feeling about this uh, situation with this spooky egg man? He doesn't like it. He makes it pretty clear. He's sort of like uh, standing on the side, I guess, with uh, Tyrker. Or is Alonzo backed away, right? Uh, it's Alonzo backed away. Yeah, Tyrker's like, Tyrker, you haven't seen uh, since whatever happened happened. Rand's going to ask that creepy guy. She's like, so what exactly is this going to help with? He looks you point blank. Though, he doesn't say anything with his mouth, but you just hear in your head, your mother. Do you know exactly what's wrong with her? Do you know her? Is this inside or outside? It, she's... 
saying outside. You know, she's snapping a little. Oh, one side of conversation. Do you know who your mother exactly is? Well, I just met her today and I didn't even know she existed, so no. I'm surprised your brothers and sisters haven't picked you up. Sisters? Sisters. How many are we talking? And audibly, uh, Mr. Scary Egg Merchant Man just starts laughing as if there's a joke being told that no one's hearing. And, um... Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those tingle laughs that just kind of chill you to the bone. She's snapping. She's like, I'm not kidding here. What do they want? What's going on? Uh, he just says out loud instead of just, you know, letting everyone hear a one-sided conversation. Your mother is special. And her aura floats around you. She's the first mother. First mother? Um, anybody who's interested who's overhearing this, or might actually have some kind of history about magic, uh, give me either arcana, history, or... Yeah, arcana or history. Am I close <laughs> enough to insight? Or... Uh, yeah, you are close enough to insight this dude if you want. Was this Nark's wrong? Right there, oh. but... uh, Nark's right there, but he's focusing right now. He's not even yeah. really hearing the conversation. Yeah, well, let's just say this is happening after Ash comes back. Oh, okay, okay, so. Yeah. Arcana, you said? Yes, Arcana or History. Ooh, that's, that's Ooh. my best role Ooh. all night. So I'm guessing during this time, Rain's going to say, who's this first mother? What do you mean? Well, you really don't know. No. And um, his gaze kind of goes over to Ash. Do you know? Um... Ash's eyes get really big, and he kind of looks over and says, uh, that was the first person, a woman, that had magical gifts. Um, the old gods are kind of upset that she uh, shared them. Some people like her, some people don't, but it's kind of a legendary thing. So, what does she want with me? Well, she is your mother. Darn good time <sighs> to start being a parent. Yes. Also, there's things happening in the cosmos that are... steer things up. You know, certain cults like to find things. Certain entities love to... Search for things. It's very puzzling, if you ask me. Mm. So, so if I'm putting that together correctly, would Ash pick up that that's uh, 
because we talked about who Rand's mother is right before um sort of like you know that she's a mom she's kind of shitty she abandoned uh Rand at a very young age and um like with the 19 arcana check you've probably heard stories of the first mother because some believe that she's also the one who uh gave birth to the first genasi Oh, so, um, and this person just said that that's Rayanne's mother too. Yep, and there's, yeah, there's something something strange in the neighborhood. Uh, Ash's face is all like he, it's like that meme with the the lady with the math all around her head. He's like trying to put this all together, but he's drunk, so he's <laughs> trying to catch numbers like flies. Yeah, yeah, he's got the magic part side of it, but he doesn't understand the whole relations. Anyway, yeah. So we're gonna go back to Nork and some visions. All right. Um, do you meditate with all so... the eggs, or do you do one at a time, or? So Nork was was going to do first the two, first the first two eggs, mm-hmm. and then after meditating with the first two, he was gonna go to the third one and and approach it and with slightly shaking hands, um, gaze upon it and then place his hands upon it and say, in draconic. He's going to say, one's greatest fear can either be their greatest weakness or their greatest strength. And he's going to meditate on the third one separately from the other two. So I'm going to start describing these meditation sessions. Hope you're ready. So. Yeah from the one that looks like a simple river rock. In your mind, you can see the passage of time. The proper conditions of laying the egg happen before your eyes. Mud, a frost, a spring, and a creature kind of digs itself out of the ground. It looks like it's equipped for both land and water. And you can't quite identify it with your nature check, but you can tell that um, it's snapping larger creatures with its mouth. It's growing. It's hunting. It's poisoning things. And even to some who touch it, get poisoned the next one the one that's semi-translucent you see that the passage of time comes for it and a great magical force cracks the egg and what seems to be Almost a shifting figure of both human and animal comes out. It's sleek. It's streamlined. But there's something a little off with it. It seems to 
What's the word? Both create and destroy whatever it touches. And then, finally, the dragon. You, once again, see the passage of time. You see that lightning hits the egg. And it trembles, and a claw comes out. And then a head. This dragon... This tiny thing. What does Nork feel when he actually does see, like, dragons, or thinks of dragons? Um, so he, he knew what he was, he was approaching when he went up to this egg. Mm-hmm. So he, he tried to mentally stay himself, and he, uh, he, he knew he might... He knew that this was his greatest fear, which he would have to eventually confront. So, he, when he first started getting the visions of this this dragon cracking out of the egg, at first it was startling, but then he he made his best effort to keep his composure and focus on not what the creature looks like, but what it could be, the possibilities. Um, thinking also back to his very recent encounter with the, uh, the Minotaur. He was afraid, and he was then reassured that not everything that you see. <laughs> Sorry, I broke it. <laughs> that not everything that you see is um, as scary as it appears. So you see the dragon break out of its egg after this major lightning strike. And it seems like time passes. Its shadow grows larger and larger until it's a humongous beast. Or at least to Norik, it's a humongous beast. And. Yeah. You see that under its wings is a town, but also resting animals and people who, like, you you don't see the individual people, but you feel the individual people are... peace but there's something in the background that's bugging you like the peace feels it's there like no one's fighting but something else is feel, feeling that peace something not that great 
Maybe something sinister? And the, uh, this, this uh, draconic shadow is, is cast over the town. Yep. However, this town feels almost cursed in its peace. Yeah, it's, it seems like there is a peace, there's a tranquility, but there's some... Well, other than the looming dragon, some some looming overtone that forces the peace and tranquility. Does any particular um, color come to mind when while meditating on this? You swear you see ruby eyes. Thank you for listening to Tales of Swordfall. Please consider listening to these podcasts. Hello, folks. J.P. Winterbottom here to tell you about The Beholder's Eye, a 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons narrative-focused actual play podcast about a group of private investigators in a fantasy noir setting with eldritch horror undertones. You can find The Beholder's Eye every other Friday on iTunes, SoundCloud, or anywhere podcasts are found. Please like, share, comment, and subscribe.